everyone, welcome to another episode of Moves Podcast, where we talk about all things global mobility. I'm your host, Dimitra, and today I want to start a new series where we focus on the expat relocation experience. As it happens, I'm going through a relocation right now with Move Group, so I thought this is the perfect opportunity to talk about my experience, to talk about what I've been through, what I'm going through to prepare, and of course, keep you updated along the way. So let's take it back and start at the very, very beginning. I was originally born and raised in Cyprus. So my expat journey began at the age of 18. Young, naive, and driven primarily by societal norms, I packed up my 18-year-long life in my home, Cyprus, and relocated to England in the UK to study at the University of Reading. From an expat student to an expat worker, I spent 10 birthdays here. Today, at the age of 28, I'm packing up my 10-year-long life in England to continue my journey as an expat somewhere new, in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. 10 years older and wiser, with more awareness of the world, my choices and the consequences thereof, and driven this time by a much more deliberate goal and conscious decision, I feel like I can share my thought process and experience to help others who are also considering a relocation, a new beginning. In this episode, I want to talk about the first phase of my relocation, that is actually choosing where to relocate. Whether you're someone who already has a specific place in mind or someone who has a long list of places and needs to pick the right one, I would recommend that you go through each of the following 10 steps that I also went through to A, confirm that the place that you have in mind is indeed right for you, or B, start to narrow down your list to the single perfect location. These 10 steps or factors or points of consideration, however you want to call them, are a combination of personal, professional, and practical. That way, we're really thinking about this relocation from all angles. And they will help to narrow down your options to pick the perfect location for you. The first and probably most fun one is creating the ideal picture. Think about your goals and your ideal life and write down what that looks like for you. This could be anything, what sort of climate you'd like to live in, what sort of friends you'd like to have, how you'd like to spend your free time, how close you'd like to be to certain places or people, your career goals, your family goals, and so on. My ideal picture is somewhere that is close enough to my family so I can visit often, somewhere that is a combination of the things that I love about my home in Cyprus and the things that I loved about London, somewhere that is warm most of the year, a place that has great opportunities for me to progress in my career, take on new challenges, try new things, and the list goes on and on. That is my ideal picture. What's yours? Moving on to step two, you've now painted this beautiful picture of what you'd like your life to look like. Whilst finding a location that has all of those elements would be the ultimate goal, it is not realistic. So next, you have to begin to prioritize your list. Prioritize, divide it into three categories. A, your absolute must-haves. B, your negotiables. 
and C, your can live without. Your absolute must-haves will be the non-negotiable deal-breaker factors that your new destination must offer. A location that doesn't have these will automatically be crossed off your list. For me, an absolute must-have was being close to my family in Cyprus. And by close, I mean no longer than five hours away. For some, five hours might be too far. For others, it may not. Remember that everything I will talk about will be subjective. So what is an absolute must-have for you? Think about it and cross off any countries that don't have these. Now, your negotiable items are things that you would still like to have, but are willing to be flexible on the terms. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, so an example of one of my negotiable elements was commuting. In my hometown in Cyprus, everything was within a 10-minute drive from home. In England, however, I spent 10 years commuting everywhere. Everywhere was within 30 to 90 minutes away, including the gym, my office, my friends, my going out spots, and so on. So for my new location, I wrote down that I wanted a place where everything was, you know, fairly close by. You know, initially I thought 10 minutes, within 10 minutes, just like Cyprus. Now in Dubai, it won't quite be 10 minutes, but it'll be 15, it'll be 20, it'll be 25 minutes max. So I'm, I was willing to move that benchmark a little bit. I was willing to compromise on that to be flexible. And that's what your negotiable, negotiable items are going to be. And finally, your can live without category will include things that Upon further reflection, you recognize that their absence will not affect your level of satisfaction as much as the other things on your list. Again, my own example of this would be driving. Initially, I wrote down that I wanted a location where it would be easy and possible for me to own and drive a car. Eventually, I crossed it off my list because I I realized it was something that I could definitely live without. Okay. So you've now painted your ideal picture. You've then prioritized your list of desires. Now we have to think a little more professionally. We have to think about your career. Look at the current condition and future potential of your industry in your list of locations and consider whether you can sustain or grow your career there. Ask yourself questions such as, you know, is there a market for my industry? Is my industry booming or on a decline? Are there job opportunities in my industry? And again, this will depend on your position. For me, um, I have my job and I'm just relocating to a new place. For someone else, they might be looking for a job. So do those job opportunities exist in that industry? If they do exist, is there a lot of competition for those job vacancies? And again, the list of questions could go on and on. Now, if you're a digital nomad or a remote worker who already has a job and your work is based off of another market, And where you live is literally just that, the place that you live, it won't affect your work, then you won't need to worry about this factor. However, you should still ensure that the new location has the infrastructure to support your ability to carry out your work efficiently. If you're not a remote worker or digital nomad, and like myself, even though I have a job, I still need to make sure that the country that I'm going to, the country itself, is healthy in the area that I work in. So if you are the same, this is really, really important to consider this. 
Next, let's talk about something a little more boring, some would say, but equally, if not more important, and that is figuring out the cost of living. How much money do you need to get by? When I told my family and friends in Cyprus that I was moving to Dubai, most of their responses were, oh, wow, you know, the salaries are so much better there than Cyprus. Well, that may be so if you look at just an isolated number, but what is also higher is the cost of living. So I had to think about, will I indeed be better off in Dubai versus Cyprus? I may earn more, but how much is left over after I've covered all of my expenses? So you have to think about the most important aspects and items, let's say, in your lifestyle and research how much these will cost. The basic cost of living expenses that you have to consider include housing, utility bills, food, toiletries and other essential items, transportation and car insurance if you plan to have a car, travel, health care, child care and education if you have children. Other non-essential expenses that are more subjective to your lifestyle could include things like monthly sports club memberships, dining out, entertainment, shopping for clothes and shoes and so on, self-care, hobbies, and again, the list can go on and on. Now, of course, there are things such as savings, pensions, investing, different types of insurance that could be added to these lists. But, you know, we could go on for days if we dive into these. So start off with the main ones that I've mentioned and then add to the list whatever is important for you. For example, for many people, it might be important to consider how much it would cost to buy a house in their new location. For me, that wasn't important because I don't plan to buy a house there. So again, everything is subjective. What is your lifestyle? What are your plans? What will your costs be? Think about it, write it down, add it up, and then look at it against your salary. Which brings us to step five. What will your salary be in this new location? Look at the salaries that are offered for your role in your industry, as well as the potential salary you could be earning in the future if you wish to progress to a higher position in your career. Can you afford the lifestyle you desire? If not, are there any changes you can make? Is there anything that you can remove from your list of desires so that you can fit into your budget? If there's nothing that you're willing to or able to remove, and your budget just can't cover your lifestyle, then take that country off your list and continue to narrow it down. Okay, now let's review quickly before we continue. Let's start from the beginning again. We started up in the clouds by painting this ideal picture of what our ideal life would look like. Then we began to ground ourselves a little bit by prioritizing the, this list so we can you know, keep things a little more realistic. Then we've thought about our careers, a very, very important aspect of our lives. We then continue to narrow it down by thinking about finances. How much money will I need to live there? And then step five, which is closely linked to the last two factors, we figured out approximately what sort of salary to expect. By this point, we should have a pretty narrow list of countries or locations, but I have five more steps, five more factors to get this list down to just one. And step six is probably my favorite. And in this phase of my life at 28 years old was one of the most important factors that I took into consideration, 
versus when I was 18, this was probably one of the last things I thought about. Step six is thinking about your non-monetary quality of life. Let me emphasize that, your non-monetary quality of life. Whilst all things have a level of value, not all value is represented in monetary terms. After you've considered the essential element of finances, think about the non-financial assets that each country has to offer that could improve your quality of life. Once again, this is subjective and could include things such as crime, safety, weather, nature, nightlife, uh, religion, culture, and so on. As I mentioned, this factor was very important for me for several reasons. Dubai is a scary place to move to in the sense that it is a very expensive city. In many ways, it's the same as London in, in that respect. It has great opportunities for my role, but the cost of living is very high. So when I was going through these steps with my friends and family, when I was talking to them, trying to decide whether Dubai was the place for me, and I told them that one of the many reasons I wanted to leave London was because the cost of living is so high. And they said to me, you know, well, so is Dubai. Dubai is also very expensive. So are you really getting rid of that problem by moving there? Which is a great point to consider. But the non-monetary assets that Dubai had to offer were what would make my quality of life better. Even if at the end of the day, my cost of living and salary and finances would all work out to the same as London. For me, waking up to the warmth and sun every day made my quality of life better. Living in a city where I didn't have to commute for more than 15 minutes to see my friends and colleagues made my quality of life better. Living 10 minutes away from the beach, just like I had for the first 18 years of my life in Cyprus, made my quality of life better. So what would make you happy? What things that don't have a price tag attached to them or don't have to do with money would improve your quality of life? And to be quite honest, this was what made me take that risk. I looked at my friends and family and said, you know what? If I go to Dubai and at the end of the day, I realize it was the wrong choice in terms of finances because I'm still experiencing the same level of financial struggle as I was in London, I think I'll be okay with my decision because at least I can wake up to you know these other things. I can wake up to the sun every day. That'll make me happy. I can wake up and go for a swim on the weekends, just like I did as a child. I can meet up with my friends regularly because you know they're close by. All of these things will make me happy. It took away my fear because at the very least, even if I don't have more money, I had other sources of comfort and happiness. Okay, let's move on to step seven. That is the relocation process. As amazing as a country may seem, if the relocation process is too complicated or too costly, it could be a big deterrent for you. The relocation process involves several matters from the visa and immigration procedures to the physical move itself. The main things you should consider include, first of all, the visa and immigration process. So, you know, how lengthy is it? How complicated? Do you meet the criteria? What potential is there of, of you being accepted? And secondly, the costs and budget. How much will the visa and immigration process cost you? How much will it cost you to transport your personal belongings from your current location to your new location? How much will the initial setup be? So for example, 
you go to a new country, you have to stay temporarily, say, in a hotel while you look for permanent accommodation. Once you find your apartment, you then have to pay agency fees, you have to pay a deposit, you have to furnish your apartment, you have to pay for a flight to get there. So all of these things, they can add up. And it's actually something that I didn't realize I had to consider until much later on, but it's really, really important. You may have the perfect location in mind that offers everything that you want, but if you can't actually physically get yourself there because of budget constraints or visa issues, then again, that country needs to get crossed off your list, at least for the time being. Moving on to step eight. I was very fortunate to have some friends and acquaintances in Dubai, so I was able to speak to them and get some first-hand knowledge about the city. Whilst Google is a great search tool, one of the best tips for those considering relocation would be to speak directly to people who live in the country. And better yet would be to talk to local expats who will not only be able to tell you about the location, but will also have experienced it from the angle of an expat, just like you, which can be a very different experience to that of a local. Now, let me give you a very specific example of why I say that. When I arrive at the airport in my home country, Cyprus, because I'm a local, as in I, I grew up here, I have my family and friends here, this is where I touch base, this is my home base. Whenever I arrive, no matter the day or the time, I will always have someone who is available to pick me up from the airport. So back then, before I ever went to England, this was something that I never even considered. It never even crossed my mind as something that could become an issue. However, since I became an expat, once I moved to England, especially the first few years when I didn't have, you know, so many friends or family there, I would arrive at the airport and I had no one to pick me up, which meant I had to use public transport, which meant I had to find good links. I had to find what times the trains and buses were running. I had to make sure that my flight was coming in at a time when there were trains and buses running. So not, you know, in the middle of the night. When I learned that, I made sure that every new place, every new apartment I moved to in London was close or had good transport links to the airport. And I appreciate, I know it may sound really silly, I know it may sound really small, especially to those who haven't experienced it, but it wasn't to me. And let me tell you, I've spent many a cold nights waiting in the airport in London at 3 a.m. after I've just arrived because there were no later flights and you know I'm just waiting there until 7 a.m. when the trains finally start running again. And again, subjectivity, this was something that really, really bothered me. This was an obstacle that I had to go through. For some, they may be able to put up with it. But the point I'm trying to make is, as an expat, you will have gone through certain obstacles and you will have found a way to overcome them and you'll have a certain perspective. So yes, speak to locals, but also try to find some expats there who you can relate to more and they can relate to you, they can relate to your experience and they can relate to your worries. Okay, let's move on to step nine. And this is really simple and straightforward. It's all about watching YouTube videos. Yes, watch YouTube videos. YouTube has been a very crucial research tool for me. Many expats document their experiences when relocating and share their thoughts and advice in their YouTube videos. Ensure that you watch a variety of videos from different people 
to gain a better and more well-rounded understanding of what to expect from each location. And this, this tip is especially helpful for those who may not have um, friends or acquaintances in the country like I spoke about in step eight. And finally, we come to the final step and that is finding the time and means to visit the country you're thinking of relocating to. By the time that you've considered all the first nine factors, you'll have hopefully narrowed your list down to just one or two locations. Now, whilst I appreciate this is not possible for everyone, you should try to visit your country of choice before making your final decision. The steps and tools I've shared will definitely give you a great amount of insight, but visiting to get a sense of the location will offer a level of understanding that cannot be achieved in any other way. When I was 17 and deciding in what order of priority I wanted to list the universities I'd, apply, I'd applied to on my UCAS application in the UK, I was fortunate enough to be able to visit England and I went to all the towns where my universities were located. And I remember before I, I went, I was so confused. I, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what my, I wanted my first and second choice to be. And I'll never forget, my mom said to me, just go there. Just go there and I guarantee you by the time you come back, you will know. And she was right. From spending even just one day in each of these towns, sometimes less than that, it all fell into place. I knew exactly which places would be my priorities. I felt, you know, I, it's, it's difficult to describe, but you get a sense of it. You get a sense of the energy there. You get a sense of, you know, what, how do you feel when you're there? Does it, does it feel good for you? So if you can, if you have the time and the means and the resources, try to visit. I guarantee you, it will give you a lot of clarity. And that covers all 10 steps that I went through before choosing my new destination. Now, again, I have to emphasize everything I spoke about is subjective and will depend on so many additional factors, whether you plan to stay there long term or short, short term, whether in this phase of your life, your priority is saving money or having a good time or building your career how much you're willing or able to sacrifice. Are you moving there alone? Do you have a partner? Do you have children? And the list goes on and on. This is the final tip and final thought I want to leave you with. One of the key things that I've learned from being an expat is that the attractiveness of location is extremely subjective. Whilst your family and friends may be pointing you in one direction, the phase of your life that you're in, the resources that you have at your disposal, the objectives that you've set for yourself and more may not agree with this. When I tell people that I'm going to Dubai, most of them say, you know, oh, wow, you know, this is great and that is great. And most of the time, my research might not agree with the points that they're making. So I ask them, you know, why do you say that? And they usually say, you know, I have a friend that works there or my husband works there. So that's how I know. And I ask, OK, well, how old is your husband? What job does he do? What does he want out of his life? And naturally, these answers are going to be different to mine. So of course, the reasons why he loves it, why he thinks it's great, or the reasons why he doesn't think it's great, won't all align with mine. At 18, England fulfilled my desires and offered the opportunities that I was searching for back then. At 28, England hasn't changed, but my mindset has. My resources have, my ambitions have, 
and so I feel should my environment. Therefore, with your goals, your desires, and your abilities as the backdrop, use these 10 steps and tools, not as a fixed blueprint, but as a guide to find your new beginning. Thank you all for listening. I hope that was helpful and make sure to stay tuned because next time we'll talk, we'll be talking about the next phase of my relocation. Thanks again and see you next time.